celebrate this coming Thursday, a day of forgiveness. And while I'm, I'm so glad that, that the world's going to do that, I, I actually feel some pity for the world. And I feel pity for the world because the world only chooses one day to show how thankful they are. But the child of God gets to show every day how good God has been. And, and, and if you can't open your mouth and praise God for anything, I know you have one reason. Can anybody testify he woke you up this morning? Can anybody testify he started you on your way in at least and at least half of your right mind? Amen, somebody. Did he put food on your table, clothes on your back? God, God is sure enough worthy. Amen, somebody, to be praised. We are so thankful to God for all that God continues to do for us and bless us with. And we're just so thankful uh, to him for all that he does. We are also appreciative to uh, our brother William for leading us in our devotional service and, and his team that he brought along with him this morning. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You don't know, uh, but this is my classmate, y'all. The, the, yeah, the, the real sharp dressing looking one. Amen. The, yeah, the one with the suspenders. Him. Yeah, that's my classmate. We matriculated together at Southwestern. Then my brother, with all of his brilliance, decided to go to Atlanta, Georgia, to Morehouse College and matriculate there. Uh, and so I know if he got some Texas blood and some Georgia blood, he all right with me. Amen, somebody? Amen, amen. We're certainly, we're certainly glad, uh, as well as our brother CJ. Yeah, and y'all know him very well. We, we are so glad to, uh, to have him as well. We're so glad uh, for, for all, that, all that he uh, has accomplished. And I'll say this publicly, brother CJ, thank you for your years of service at the Avenue Baptist Church of Christ. And thank you so much uh, for... <coughs> And thank you so much for what you've done with the chorus, and thank you so much for what you have deposited here at the Avenue of Church. Thank you so much, my brother. Ephesians, you ready for the word? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to matriculate this morning. So join me in Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 1 through verse number 3. And our verse this morning, of course, is we'll be finishing up verse number 2. But join me in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse number verse number one uh, to verse number three as we share in our time together. Are you there? Ephesians chapter four, verse number one. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible and you, if you have any other reliable translation, you can have it instead of Claudia's. Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus says, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk worthy of the manner in which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Our text is verse two, with all humility and gentleness, we dealt with that word, here we go today, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. <coughs> Help me, Paul with patience. Somebody say patience. patience. Showing tolerance. Someone say tolerance. tolerance. For one another in love. 
today as the Spirit will allow me to, and I pray he gives me the power and the strength, I want to speak to us this morning from the subject matter, Extreme Makeover, Church Edition, Bracketed, How to Deal with Difficult People. Let me say that one more time. Extreme Makeover, Church Edition, Bracketed, How to Deal with difficult people. When Timex, which is a watch company, asked people how long they would wait before taking action in various situations, researchers discovered that the vast majority of us are willing to wait 13 seconds before we honk our horn at the car in front of us that is sitting still at a green light. We're willing to wait 26 seconds before we shush people who are talking in the movie theater. We're willing to wait 26 seconds before we take the seat of someone who walked away from their seat. We're willing to wait 45 seconds before we ask someone who is talking too loudly on a cell phone to keep it down. We'll, make, we'll wait 13 minutes for a table at the restaurant, 26 minutes for a blind date to show up before we leave them high and dry. We will wait, watch it now, 20 minutes for the last person to show up for Thanksgiving dinner before we dig in. I don't know who they polled, but I'm not, amen, I'm not waiting, amen, somebody, listen. But I have one for us. I didn't do any official research for Timex, but when it comes to our church fellowship, and I'm not talking about the Avenue F Church of Christ in isolation, I'm talking about us in, 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 a, in, a, in a breadth of, of inclusion, that is with all of the body of Christ. And I've done some research too over my years in ministry, and that is we will wait five minutes before we become frustrated at the hospitality team for the serving line not moving as fast as we think it should. We will wait two minutes before we choose to tune in or tune out to the sermon if the preacher didn't catch our attention early enough. We'll wait uh, 20 seconds before we begin to sing the song that was chosen, if that is a song that I like to sing. We will wait two songs before we get so frustrated with a person that is praising God so loudly that my attention turns from God to totally focusing on the praise of a person that I do not agree with, though I do not know their backstory, so I don't understand the praise in which they're giving uh, right now. Uh, let me say it this way. Uh, we will give uh, the preacher uh, 30 minutes uh, before we will begin to give him a two-minute warning uh, to say uh, in my conclusion. That is, that is, listen, last week we gained a deeper understanding of meekness. And that is humility dealt with our attitude, but meekness deals with our behavior. The two come together and serve as a picture of a spiritual person. The spiritual person knows who they are and what they were before they met Jesus. And this mentality serves as a conduit for how they behave themselves. The meek person has no problem serving people because they know who they are, and now they can serve people with a gentle spirit. This is to say, before I serve people, 
I have to make sure that I have a humble spirit because the antithesis of humility is pride. And we learn that pride is a false reality of your own self. The proud person is unable to serve people because they refuse to be seen as beneath or below. That is, they will not allow anybody to be seen as being better, more educated, or in a better position than them. And we pick this up here uh, talking about the mentality of humility. We pick this up even with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You remember over there in John chapter 13, beginning at verse number 1, the Bible says that Jesus began one by one to wash his disciples' feet in John 13, 1 through 5. But watch the text. The Bible says, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart and be out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from the supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with a towel which he had girded himself with. Do you see it now, church? Yeah, do you see it now? Because you know what's coming, don't you? You remember Peter because the Lord came to Peter, and Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet also? And Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. That is, Peter had a problem with Jesus washing feet because washing feet was a job reserved for people who were considered to be subservient or beneath somebody else. And so he says, Jesus, I will not allow you to be seen as being beneath me. But watch it. Jesus had no problem washing people's feet. Now, Ross, why is Jesus, why did Jesus have no problem in verse 4 and 5 washing people's feet? Jesus had no problem in verse 4 and 5 washing people's feet because Jesus knew who he was in verse number 3. Watch the text. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given everything into his hand and that he had come forth from the Father and that he was going back to the Father. Amen, somebody. Jesus, how are you able to serve other people? I am able to serve other people because I do not allow other people to define who I am. Amen, somebody. That is, I know what God has deposited inside of me. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. And when you know what God has given you and when you know where you're going and where God has brought you from, you have no problem getting down and washing other people's feet. Let me go back to what I said. You better be careful, Avenue F. You better be very careful when you allow other people to define who you are. Because oftentimes when people define who you are, they will change the definition. Lord have mercy. And they will expect you to act by the way in which they call you. But when you know who you are, and when you know whose you are, you no longer play according to the strings of how people want you to play. You can rock to the rhythm of your own tune. Ain't nobody got to say amen. Ain't nobody got to say good job. Ain't nobody got to put you on no pedestal simply because you know who you are and whose you are. You have no problem serving other people. Amen, somebody. Amen. Listen, isn't it interesting 
that as Paul addresses walking worthy of your calling, he addresses unity in the church with our relationships with each other. That is, Paul is speaking of the church growing in maturity. And Paul is illustrating that there is a true test of spiritual, the true test of spiritual maturity is how we treat and love each other. And this is interesting. And this is interesting because often we attempt to measure our spirituality in manners that God does not recognize in isolation as being mature. We think because I can quote a lot of scripture that I'm mature. Uh, because I have been in the church for 30 or more years that I'm mature. Uh, because I give my tithes and my offerings, I am, I am mature. Because I don't sin like somebody else's sin, uh, uh, I am mature. Now listen, now for many of these behaviors, they are pleasing and acceptable to God. But I still believe that you're missing the point if you believe that they alone make you spiritually mature. Spiritually, ma spiritual maturity has a vertical and a horizontal relational plane. And I know, listen, here it is. I know what you're doing for God. But the question is, what are you doing for the brother you sit by in church every Sunday? I know that you're giving to God. But the question is, what are you depositing in your brother or sister that you're in the same body of? I know that you've been coming to church for 30 years, but my question is not how long have you been in the church. My question is how long has the church been inside of you? Amen, somebody. The test, the true test of spiritual maturity is how we treat and love each other. And until we all reach spiritual maturity, that means that the Avenue F Church of Christ still has some work to do. Listen, last week we learned that meekness is not weakness. Meekness is rather understanding how strong I am and choosing to put my strength under the control of God. This means no longer can I say what I want to say when I want to say it. No longer can I behave in a manner that's only pleasing to me. Now I have to make sure that when I speak or I act, that I utilize self-control to ensure that what I am saying or what I am doing is not belittling people, it's not degrading people, it's not speaking evil of people, or it is not intended to hurt somebody. I have to be sure that what I am saying is being said because I am trying to be healing to a person. Though there are some actions that I could do, I refuse to do it because I have submitted my strength to the Lord and I am under his authority. As for today, Paul gives us an additional two principles that we must use if we are to maintain the unity of the spirit. First, Paul says that we need patience. Lord have mercy. And second, Paul says we need, we need tolerance. And in an interesting way, he uses these two principles in the same manner as the first two. You remember this. Humility, our first one, is the mindset, while meekness 
is the action as a result of the mindset. You remember that? That is, humility is what I think, but meekness is how I act. Y'all got that? Yeah, amen, somebody. Listen, and in like manner, Paul says that we need the mindset of patience so that we can act with tolerance. Y'all get that? I have to have a mindset of patience so that I can act or act out of tolerance. Listen, patience, patience. You need to know that as we are educated on patience, there are two New Testament words for the word patience. Uh, the first one being hupomonin. Listen, hupomonin simply means this. Uh, this form of patience refers to bearing under the burdens of life's circumstances. Hupomonin. Now, 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 let me explain. Y'all know hupomonin. James chapter 1, my brothers, consider it all joy when you go through various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Y'all got that? That is, the context is, I'm going through, I'm being pulled in many directions in my life, and I got some stuff on my shoulders, and he says, listen, the patience he's talking about there is getting under what you're going through and staying there. Amen, somebody. He says, and when you stay there, it's building your spiritual muscle for the next trial that you're going to go through. Amen, somebody. But that's hoopamonin. That's not the one Paul uses in Ephesians. In Ephesians, Paul uses Macrothumia. This form of patience refers to exercising humility and gentleness in the presence of difficult, frustrating, and downright disrespectful people. Lord, okay, all right, let me hear it one more time. This form refers to exercising humility and, and gentleness. In the presence of difficult, frustrating, and downright disrespectful people. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let, let me say it this way. Who needs this sermon this morning? That, look at, look at you. Amen. This sermon is designed for the Christian that is willing to admit that though I want to be the saint God has called me to be, Though I am aware of the standard that God commands of me to be holy, I try to be the best at holding my tongue and controlling my hands. I get along with Jesus all the time, but Jesus ain't the problem. Amen, somebody. And, 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 and if the church just had one member, Lord have mercy, the church would be all right with me. Amen, amen, somebody. Uh, I would be the best Christian in the world if I did not have to deal with difficult people, not at the church, but in the church. Amen, somebody. And listen, listen, listen. I don't know about you, but the reality of the situation and where I want to help us this morning is let, let, let's be real, Avenue F, if we're going to be real. And it doesn't matter what church you go to, whether it's a church of Christ or somewhere else you choose to go to. But the reality of it is, is that sometimes the hardest people to get along with ain't the folk on your job. Ain't your neighbor next door. But sometimes some of the hardest people to deal with are the people you sit on the pew with every single Sunday. 
Sometimes the hardest people to deal with ain't the food that got in front of you when you were driving down the highway. But sometimes the most challenging people to deal with are people that call themselves a leader in the body of Christ. Amen, somebody. In the body of Christ. Sometimes it becomes so challenging. Sometimes it becomes so difficult not to deal with folk in the world. Paul says, I need for y'all to learn how to get under some stuff and be patient, not with the world, but with one another. Amen. Somebody listen, listen. Uh, patience. But then he says tolerance. Tolerance is the practical outworking of patience. It involves bearing with one another's weaknesses. Not ceasing to love your neighbor or friend because of the faults in them which perhaps offend or displease others. Now, now, I got to say something, though. I got to say something here. Y'all mind if I come down there by you? Is that okay with you? All right, listen, I got to say something here because y'all want to, I want to help us, see, because when I talk about tolerance, please understand that God does not define tolerance the way our society has defined Okay, amen, somebody. Uh, God does not see. See, tolerance is a word like love now that people just throw out there and, and, and use it in multiple uh, contexts and multiple situations. And, and we as a church, you ready? We as a church are trying to figure out which, which branch or, or which leaf of tolerance do we grab a hold to. So understand that when I talk about tolerance, I'm not talking about tolerance the way the world defines tolerance. I'm talking about tolerance the way in which God uh, chooses uh, to define tolerance. Let me say it this way. Tolerance today, and I'm talking about how the world defines it. When the world today defines tolerance, they're speaking in terms of being in total agreement with everything and everyone, no matter what the person is doing. Okay, amen, somebody. That is... We have been bamboozled to believe that we must go along to get along to the point that we have now begun to seep into the river of relativism. Do y'all know relativism? Relativism simply means the idea, whatever is good for you is good for you. Whatever is good for me is good for me. Okay, y'all ain't feel that. You ready? You do your thing, and I do my thing. To the point that truth has even become relative. That's why, my 8 o'clock didn't get this. My millennials, help me out. That's why even on Facebook, y'all get it? Listen, listen, it's two of them. Lord have mercy. That's why even on Facebook, you'll see this right here. They'll say, they'll say something like this. They'll make a statement, then say, that's my truth. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I'm going to speak my truth. Oh, okay, baby. Truth is truth. Whether you believe it or not, truth is still, amen, somebody, going to be true. And there's another one that they'll do. Y'all seen this one yet? Now, these my, my folks, help me out. There's another one. Uh, uh, they will make a statement, have no evidence 
but then make the statement that, look at it, I already knew that. Hey, amen, amen. He didn't get it with 1045. Y'all got it. They'll make a statement based upon their own circumstance and then make it a fact by putting at the end of it facts. Amen, somebody. But if the body of Christ is not careful, we will begin to flow down the river of relativism. That is, we will begin to flow down this river that whatever you want to do, you just go right on ahead and do it. Whatever I want to do, go right ahead and do it. And you know why we do that? Because we will say, you do whatever you want to do as long as what you do does not affect me and mine. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But can I tell you that I know that that's how your homeboy and your homegirl view it. But I don't need their vantage point. I need God's vantage point. Go to 1 Corinthians 5. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1. You ready? Mm-hmm. Relativism. And I do what I want to do, and you do what you want to do. 1 Corinthians 5, y'all there? Verse number 1, it says this. It is, now this is Paul talking to the church. He ain't talking to the world, he's talking to the church. Watch, now, and this is why I tell folks, listen, I know my sisters, y'all like them housewives. I know y'all like uh, hip-hop. What's that show? Love and hip-hop, right? Uh, what's that other one with the, um, uh, with the, with the singers and, and, and they singing with the wives? It's a reality show. Uh, what is it? Uh, with the rappers. Amen. Uh, the, the rappers are on there and the girl, amen. That's because y'all holy, amen, somebody. Y'all real holy, amen. Y'all wouldn't watch such filth. I know you wouldn't, amen, amen. Yeah, but there's, there's a show, there's a show. Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, that's it. Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, that's, that's the one, that's the one, amen, amen, amen. Listen, listen, listen. Sometimes you think that's some good drama. Let me tell you something right now. This book right here, amen, somebody. This thing got some drama in it, amen. Okay, y'all don't, don't feel me. The church at Corinth, look what they had got caught up in. 1 Corinthians 5.1, Paul says, it is reported that there is immorality among you. And this is an immorality of such kind that don't even exist among the Gentiles. Did y'all hear that? Paul says there's some stuff going on in the church that people in the world don't even do. Amen. Lord, Lord have mercy. Amen, somebody. What, and Paul, what they doing? That somebody has his father's wife. Okay, y'all ain't feeling me right, amen, somebody. Now, we got some kids in here, so I got to keep it PG, amen, somebody. Y'all know what I mean. Yeah, somebody has his daddy's wife. Now, watch the church's response. Paul says, and y'all know this, verse number two, and you have become arrogant and not mourned instead, so that the one who has done this would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though I am absent in the body but present in the spirit, have already judged him. Wait, 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 Ross. Stop that. Wait, man. Amen, somebody. Well, now, don't judge me. Amen, somebody. Don't might judge me. Paul says, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I have already judged. Amen, somebody. I have not. That, that's not talking about the ultimate judgment. Amen, somebody. He's not saying I've already told him where he's going. But what he is saying is that we as a church have already made a decision. Amen, somebody. On this kind of behavior. That is, he, he judged him. He says, verse number, verse number five, I have decided 
to deliver such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Why, Paul? Don't you know that it only takes a little leaven? All right, y'all ain't feeling me right there. He said, don't you know it only takes a little bit of yeast to work through the entire batch. Ross, what are you talking about? Let me tell you something right now. And if I got to help us understand this, stop saying my sin only affects me. Brother and sister, I'm sorry to tell you, your sin does not just affect you. You're, I'm in the same body you are. Okay, amen, somebody. See, here's the problem. Let me just stop. Here's the problem. See, we think of ourselves as, 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 as individuals. God does not look at us. Though we are individuals, when you get in Christ, you are a part of a body. And what you do on your part of the body affects what's going on in my part of the body. Amen, somebody. Okay, preacher, I just don't feel that. Hit your toe. Get out the bed and hit your toe. Now, is it just your toe that felt the pain? Amen, somebody. Your leg felt the pain. Your thigh felt the pain. Your hip felt, amen, somebody. Your whole body felt the pain. That is when we feel that we can do whatever we want to, brothers and sisters, what you do in your part of the body affects what's going on in my part, amen, somebody, of the body. Paul says you have to deal with these issues, amen, somebody. And let me just say this while I'm here. I got to. Let me just say this while I'm here. That being said, I got to talk real. Hashtag real talk. Facts. Amen, somebody. Fact. There you, thank you, my brother. My truth, right, right. Listen, let me tell you this. And if we got to go here, because I have to. Be careful about making the Avenue F Church of Christ your friend on Facebook and then posting your sin on Facebook. (laughs) Hashtag real talk. (laughs) Amen, somebody. You just went everywhere. You just doing everything and, and got the nerve. And Brother Ross preached a good sermon. No, don't put me in that. Amen, somebody. Because when people look at your Facebook and then they look at your religious affiliation, they don't look at you individually. They say, wait a minute, what kind of preacher they got down now? Lord have, Lord, have mercy. What kind of church is that? People group us together. Not only people, God groups us together. We are a family. And what you do on your end, it affects me. I'm not telling you to go out here and sin. But what I am saying, don't put it on Facebook. Amen, somebody. You done, amen, you, amen, somebody. Your last post was you done cut somebody out. And then your next post is, oh, I had a good time at the Avenue F, Church of Christ. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen, anyhow. Amen. 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 Amen, somebody. It is what it is. Amen. Listen. 
Let me talk about tolerance this way. Tolerance, and you're almost out of here, family. Tolerance applies only to the person, never to the thing or the creature. Okay. When Paul talks about we should be tolerant, Paul is saying you should tolerate the person. But that doesn't mean I tolerate the sin. Are y'all following what I'm saying to you? Because the reality is sometimes you got to be real with folk and you say, hey, brother, that's wrong. Hey, sister, that, that's, that's wrong. You know, I just got to put it out there. That's wrong. But you're ready. I'm not saying it's wrong because I hate you or I'm, the, I'm saying it because I love you. And I will tolerate you. But I will not just allow it to go by my desk or go by my face or whatever and I not address it. You ready? Because I love you. Now, while I'm on that note, the Lord does not want everybody to go to a person. Oh, y'all ain't feeling it. Please go to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, and let's do some work there. Because I can see it right now. Somebody's saying, I got you, Ross. We need to, we need to go. We, amen. We see somebody. We need to go. Hey, all right. Listen, listen. Please go to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. Can we do some work there if y'all don't mind? All right. Are y'all there? I'll quote it because I got something else I want to say. He says, brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you won't be tempted. Oh, okay, let's do some work. Y'all ready? Um, you know, that word, when someone is caught, do y'all know what caught, 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 caught comes from a word? It literally means a snare. Y'all know what a snare is? Okay, let me help y'all out because I know we, ain't got no, we don't have many hunters in here. But if you hunt, you know a snare is this. What you do is you take a piece of wire, right, and you put that piece of wire on the ground in a path that the animal typically walks down. And on the other side of the wire, you put whatever the animal likes to eat. Okay, let me say it one more time. And you do this because as the animal is just walking along his normal path, he will see the bait, and he will walk into the snare, and he will begin to pull against the snare, and the snare will get tighter and tighter, choking him as he's trying to get towards whatever it is that he desires. Paul says, brothers, if somebody is caught up, amen, somebody, in any wrongdoing, he says, you who are Okay, but I got to qualify that. So you ready? That tells me when a brother or sister is caught up, everybody can't go to them. You need to check yourself before you, amen, amen, something, amen, amen. Listen, listen, listen. You got to be spiritual. Now, when he says spiritual, understand what he's presupposing. He says a spiritual person is one who has first received God's spirit, and presumably is living according to that spirit in a good relationship with God. Okay, wait a minute. Let me explain that one more time. To be spiritual means I have received the spirit of God, and he's presupposing that I am living in a good relationship in the spirit of God. Y'all know what that means? How you going to check them? 
How are you going to go get them out of a snare when you in a snare? Amen, somebody. Your own self. So he says, you which are spiritual should restore. Now, let me help you all with that word, restore, restore. Restore is the idea. Um, when I was playing ball at uh, Southwestern, I, uh, I came down bad um, one game, and, and I tore uh, the meniscus in my right knee. And, and, and after I tore my meniscus in this knee, y'all, I, the summer I had to have surgery on this knee. I had surgery, and the doctor repaired the knee. But after he repaired the knee and fixed the knee, then I had to go to what was called physical therapy. And I had to go to physical therapy because a physical therapist's job is to get this part of my body back in rhythm with the rest of my body. Child of God, I hope y'all know I'm preaching right there. Paul says, Paul says, restore such a one. The word for restore is a word for physical therapy. Paul, what are you talking about? I'm saying when you go to restore people, your job is to go and to get that person back in alignment with the rest of the body so they can begin to work at the same pace with the rest of the body. Now, while I'm there, I got to say something. Let me, let me be very clear about that. You ain't always been where you at in Jesus. Amen, somebody. You have not always been as spiritually mature and, and known all the scriptures and been on time to church. Amen, somebody, as you are right now. And where we get in trouble is when we begin to hold people accountable and to hold people to a standard that we can't meet ourselves. And one of the worst things that can happen is when a person that has been out of the church and decides to come back to the church comes back into the door and the first thing that they are met with is a negative person. Oh, y'all don't know no negative people. Where you been? It's nice to see you again. It's, I mean, how long are you going to be here this time? You didn't mess up again? Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. I ain't talking about nobody. I'm talking about folk up in amen so in the church. And you got to be careful. Because if you're not first spiritual, you know what Paul further says? He says, and the reason you got to make sure you're spiritual is for this reason right here. It's because if you ain't careful of your own spirituality, you'll find yourself wanting the same bait that caught them up. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave that alone totally, amen. But he says you got to be careful or guess what? You'll be tempted too. Family, let me talk to you. As we deal as we handle, as we build our relationships with each other. Family, we have to have patience. We have to be tolerant of people that don't come from where you come from, have the education that you have, are as spiritual as you are. We have to be patient with people where they are. And you say, preacher, why, you know, hey, but they getting on my nerves. Why I got to be patient with them? You know why you need to be patient with them? You need to be as patient with them as God was patient with you. Amen, somebody. And the difference about us being patient and God being patient is that I can only be patient with what I know about you. Oh, I'm sorry about what you will let me know about you. 
the difference about God is that God knows what you want to tell him and what you don't want to tell him. God knows what you thought, what you did, where you want to go, what you wanted to do, even though you didn't have the ability to be able to do what you wanted to do. And in spite of everything God knows about you, he could have killed you a long time ago, but he has had patience. You don't believe what I'm talking about, do you? Y'all don't believe me yet, do you? God was patient with Moses. Amen, somebody. Moses was a murderer. Moses murdered a man. Moses even even began to give God excuses on talking about why he couldn't go to Pharaoh. But God was patient with him. God was patient with Moses. Or rather, God, God, God was patient uh, even with Abraham and his wife. That time, yeah, amen, somebody. Might as well go ahead and talk about it. Amen. Amen. Abraham's wife was off the chain. You mean to tell me that Sarah was this old... Lord, men, where you at? You mean to tell me God says you're going to have a son, and then Abraham and his wife have the nerve? Abraham's wife says, well, look like I ain't going to be able to have no children. Why don't you go get my hand serving Hagar? Lord, 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 have mercy. God was patient with them. Not only that, God was patient with Peter, wasn't he? Peter, time after time, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Why don't we will build one tabernacle for you and one for um, Elijah, one for Moses? And then, amen, somebody, uh, the Lord getting ready to go to the cross. And Peter says, no, Lord, you shall never uh, go to the cross. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. But here's the reality. Aren't you glad that God is not a God of one chance? And not only that, some have in error said God is a God of a second chance. Can we talk for a second? God is the God of one chance. He's also the God of a second chance. But can anybody in here testify that you are where you are not because of chance one? Not because of chance two. You struck out chance one, chance two, chance three, chance four, chance five, and God has been patient with you. And because God has been so patient with us, we have to learn to be patient with one another. Wives, can I talk to some wives? <laughs> we want to do right. Amen. <laughs> it ain't that we want to do wrong, but we just need you to be patient. Wives, let me talk to the husband. Husband, I want to be the best wife that I can be. But I got some troubles that go on sometimes in my life. And husband, I'm trying to get there, but I just need you to be. Okay. Real talk. Uh, parents. Your children want to be the best children they want to and know how to be. But parents, your children need for you to be as patient with them. Wait, in their teenage years, as your parents were with you. 
That is, that is the stuff that your parents found out. Amen, somebody, amen, somebody, amen. And the stuff that to this day they still don't know you did. Sometimes, and I'm, I'm getting ready to close, I'm getting ready to close, y'all, but the reality is sometimes, I ain't going to lie, I go back to my mama's house, and when I go in different rooms, I say, whoo, but for the grace, amen, somebody. But for the grace, amen, somebody. Amen. So I go in the backyard, I, but for the grace, amen. Amen. But for grace. And what that does for me is it tempers us. It tempers us. That we need to have the same patience toward others as the Lord has had for us. Amen, somebody. You're here this morning in the spirit. The spirit has convicted you that we need to work on our patience, that we need to work on our tolerance, that you're a wife and you want to be the best wife you can. But patience and tolerance is, is a challenging for you. You're a husband and you want to be the best husband, the best provider, the best spiritual leader that you can. But, but, but and the Spirit has convicted you these are areas. You want to be the best parent that you need to be. You want to be the, me the best member of the body of Christ. And the Spirit has convicted you to work in these areas. Can we pray for you this morning? Will you give us the opportunity to pray on your behalf that the Lord might bless you in your journey, that as we grow together, we might learn to be patient and tolerant of one another. You're here this morning, and you're not a Christian. I mean, you have not been baptized in water for the remission of your sin. Given your life to God, God will add you to the body of Christ, giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you now, as a member of the body, are introduced to a new family of believers, and we welcome you into the body of Christ, the Avenue Hill Church of Christ. If you will but give your life to God through baptism this morning, if you need prayer, come and let's pray for you. If you need baptism this morning, let's get added to the body of Christ. Amen, somebody? Whatever your desires are at this moment, please come right now as we stand together, all of us, and sing the song chosen by our worship team. God bless you, Avenue Hill. Show me, show me, Lord.